Tet Vav Iyar, Tafshin Ayin Tet, coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York. I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Yeah, I think it is, 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 yeah, I think it is,
The great Eden Reichel with uh, Mima Makim, one of his uh, earlier hits going back to 2005. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome into this week's edition of The Israel Show. We're here every Monday immediately following JM in the AM. That translates to 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Israel Time, and around the world, wherever you are, whatever time it is, that is the time that we are on. Whatever time it is now, that is the time that we are on. So write it down in case you forget. But, 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 don't worry if you do forget because you can listen whenever you want. That's right. The Nachum Siegel Network has a full archive of shows, including the Israel Show. And you just go to uh, the app, which is available for free for iPhone, iPad. Go to the archives, click on the Israel Show, and you can choose to listen to whichever edition you like, as well as so many of the other great shows that are on the Nachum Siegel Network, Jamie the AM, interviews that Nachum does, the weekly update with Malcolm Holmline, and more and more and more. But back to our show. <laughs> we, um, we encourage you to share this information with friends that you feel might be um, inclined to enjoy this show. We know you're listening. But there should be many others listening, and they're just not aware of it, I'm sure. That's the only reason they're not listening. Um, we also want you to know that we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash The Israel Show, and we will post on the Facebook page every week, immediately, not immediately, somewhat after the show, we'll post links to the um, songs that we played, YouTube videos of the songs that we played during the show. We'll post a link to listen to the show itself. So you don't have to go looking through the archives necessarily. It's right there on the Facebook page. And uh, and links to different things that we shared during the show. For example, if we spoke about a speech given by somebody and we have the ability to give you that link, we will. And this week we have a few things to give you as well. Some of them are uh, unique, meaning I don't think you'll find them very many 
other places. Um, tonight is the Yortzite of Eli Cohen, hero of Israel. And uh, we'll tell you a little bit about his heroism and about his death and about his last request. We're going to do all that coming up. We also are going to tell you about a blood libel. I mean, it's not new that Israel uh, is suffering from modern blood libels all the time, all kinds of disinformation that's spread about Israel that has reached a point where, you know, it's crazy, but university students around the world, even in the United States, the majority of them actually believes that Israel's a danger to the world peace, more of a danger to world peace than Hamas in many cases. It's amazing how a blood libel can literally take over the world. We'll give you one example of that, and it involves a Knesset member, no less. Pretty crazy. The Eurovision took place this past Shabbat. Actually, Mutzay Shabbat. But it's a long, it's not just a a one-day thing. It's become a, a, a almost an entire week of uh, events and festivities and semifinals and so forth and so on. And it all took place in Tel Aviv. This is a uh, European song contest. Not exactly the greatest uh, music in the world. I think everybody would admit that the music is pretty eh, shabby, I guess would be a good word. <laughs> Very generic. Each song has a limit of three minutes, so you have to try and get the audience's attention in three minutes. Um, but for from Israel's perspective, the 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 beauty of hosting the um, Eurovision is that it gave Israel tremendous exposure through as a positive thing. You know, there's too much negative, and um, here Israel gets to be seen in a very, very positive light. And on that level, it was very, very successful. The city of Tel Aviv took it on and um, created like an entire expo area in the, in the city of Tel Aviv where people had activities and, and different shows and sub-shows and so forth. And there was a great atmosphere. And the truth is that many, many European people that came probably about 10,000 people came from Europe as tourists and uh, thousands and thousands came as part of the singers and their entourage from every country in Europe plus also Australia and some other countries a hundred or a hundredths of million people probably like 200 million people watched the final on Motzei Shabbat from Israel and um, saw video clips of Israel showing the beauty of the country, the uh, advancement of the country, the excitement of the country, and on that level, it really was a tremendous success. And, you know, we complain very often about Israel's lack of Hasbara, lack of good public relations vis-a-vis the world. This 
was the opposite example. And uh, I, I saw interviews with people from uh, from Europe, different people, and they said, well, we we didn't expect this. They were concerned coming to Israel. They were thought of Israel as a militaristic place, as, as, a, as um, a, a place where um, the, the quote-unquote occupation that they hear of all the time and so forth would um, would would put a damper on a festive uh, event like this, and and there and and they came and they saw a completely different Israel. They went home and hopefully will tell others. And uh, many of them, those interviewed, uh, made it clear that they're coming back. So, on that level, specifically, it was a, a tremendous success. Somebody pointed out also, and this uh, should be noted, and hopefully is going to be noted in other places, Israel produced the most accessible Eurovision for people with cognitive disabilities, hearing impairment, vision loss, and other uh, issues that would make it difficult for them to participate as audience and so forth. And uh, this was the most accessible that has ever been broadcast in the history of Europe. So again, on that level, we show the ethics and the values of the Jewish people. There is one big negative aspect, and that is the Chilul Shabbat that took place in preparations on Friday evening and on Shabbat during the day. The performances themselves took place not on Shabbat, but it is it, it was well known that there would be a uh, major rehearsal on Friday night after Knesset Shabbat, and there would be tremendous work being done during the day of Shabbat by Jews and um, the, the, the Chilul Shabbat was massive and very open. In fact, we spoke very, uh, very much about the Shalva band, the, uh, the band that um, comes from the organization Shalva that helps um, families with children of dis- with disabilities and the band is made up of the, the two lead singers are blind and then there are Down Syndrome kids and and various different forms of uh, of challenges that the kids have, and they took Israel by storm when they were part of the reality show that was leading up to the Eurovision. And then, as they were getting closer to the end, to deciding who would be the winner and therefore who would represent Israel in the Eurovision, uh, the Shalva band ended up uh, bowing out. They had to pass, and they said that uh, being that several members of the band were were Shomer Shabbat, they would not continue and represent Israel. And and people in Israel were were touched because the, it, just watching them you, you can't help be touched and wipe a tear from your eye and to see how amazing they are. But they were touched by the fact that they were ready to give up you know, the 15 minutes of fame or in this case the 3 minutes of fame uh, for Shabbat. And um, the next day, the Israel Broadcasting Authority, who is responsible for the uh, the show in is- when it takes place in Israel, um, petitioned the European Broadcast Authority that is responsible for the show in general and asked them to allow 
the Shavu ban not to be Michal Shabbat, not to participate in the practice which takes place on Friday night. The Europeans said no, they have to, whatever all the technical issues, we're not going to get into that again. We spoke about it at the time. But the Israel Broadcast Authority said we will have the Shalva Band play during one of the breaks, intermissions in the show. And they did this, it was on Thursday, which was um, the second half of the semifinals. And um, they were just amazing. And we'll post the link to the video of them singing this song at the Eurovision, and you will see, I picked a version that left in the applause that the crowd gave them after the song, so that you can see what 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 an impact they made on the people in the audience, who, again, thousands of which are from Europe. And so, from that perspective and the Shabbat perspective, Shalva came out of it really, as I wrote on the Facebook page, they kept the Shabbat and they aced the performance. Two points to ponder, if you will, regarding the Shabbat. One was brought up by um, Sivan Rav Meir, in her uh, weekly column, she said, let's say last year when Israel won the Eurovision and it is then uh, determined as part of the rules that they will host the next year unless they pass, the European Broadcast Authority would open up the calendar and tell Israel, okay, the date for the Eurovision next year is May the 8th. Turns out this year that May the 8th was Yom HaZikaron, Memorial Day for fallen soldiers. Or let's say they would have said it was, I don't know, um, maybe May the 2nd, which was Yom HaShoah this year. Surely, surely, nobody would have agreed that this should take place. Because those two days are symbols of the state of Israel And that symbolism carries certain things with it, and one of them is that we don't we don't have entertainment. And why, she asks, why can't we also say that the Shabbat, which the people of Israel gave to the world through the Ten Commandments, the Shabbat which represents the social justice, if you will social consciousness, I should say, of everyone having a day of rest. Everybody. That that is also a value of the Jewish state. Leave religion out of it even for a moment. And as such, we don't want the Eurovision taking place at a time on on a day that conflicts with our values just like we would say if it was on Yom HaShoah and she I think brings up a great point I ask also all those who were very upset as as was I 
don't get me wrong, very upset about the Chilul Shabbat that was involved in the preparations. When Lagba Omer comes out on Sunday, which means Motzei Shabbat, the major big event on Har Meiron takes place on Motzei Shabbat. There's a whole ceremony, they light a big bonfire, specific Rebbe from a specific Chassidut, gets the honor to light first and it is a huge event huge, huge, huge event hundreds of thousands of people over 100,000 people come and those 100,000 people are all obviously Orthodox Jews almost all over the past uh, few years when this happened there were many people in Israel who asked that the lighting ceremony be postponed either to the next night or much, much later in the night because there's so much preparation involved in getting ready for the hundreds of thousands who, who are going to come to Meron that the Israeli police force and others work on Shabbat probably in the thousands of people. And the answer so far, over the past few years, several times it has happened, the, ha- the answer has been no. The Hadlaka, the Hadlaka goes on as planned. So I'm trying to figure out the logic of um, how these two things live together. I'm not justifying the Chilul Shabbat of the Eurovision. I'm questioning the um, the outrage and the outpouring within the religious community when it is something that we unfortunately or parts of our community are guilty of in a different way and in a different setting. We'll go to some music, then we'll get back to the... Um, Topics that we're going to discuss. This is the song of Lahakat Shalva, the new song, Hadelet Tihiep Tucha. The door should be open. It is a, obviously a song that relates to Shalva and what it does and what it is as far as being a home for people, for families uh, with um, children with challenges. And uh, at the end of the day, Hadelet Tihiep Tucha, you will find the house where the door will always be open. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Shirim Ayashani, Adain Boam 
You'll always find the home where the door will be open. Member of Knesset Ahmad Tibi for many, many, many years, close advisor to the murderer Yasser Arafat has the chutzpah that it takes to do his job to be able to tell lies very smoothly, easily to twist reality he tweeted a few days ago as follows this uh, his tweet is accompanied by a picture of a young five year old girl in a hospital bed with her head bandaged Tabitu al-Aisha al-Alulu. Look at this girl, Aisha al-Alulu. Shiniftera etmol migidul sartani bamoach, who died yesterday from a cancerous growth in her brain. Bat chamesh haita bimota. She was five when she died. Nolda umeta 
Be'aza Hanitsura. She was born and she died in Aza that is under siege. La'achar dechiyot ve'ikuvim after many delays. Huvhala bi'ichur she was rushed but quite late already in the process. Lenituach b'mizrach Yerushalayim. She was rushed for an operation in what he calls East Jerusalem, meaning in an Arab hospital, in what he calls East Jerusalem. Livada, alone. B'nei mishpachta lohushu lehitlavot eleha. Her family were not allowed to join her. Lo imav lo aviha, not her mother, not her father. La'achrona huchzera la'aza. Recently, she was returned to Aza, Ligorala, to her fate, meaning to die. Dai Lamatsor Hamamir. Enough of the siege that is killing people. Now, this makes the rounds, it's translated, makes the rounds all over the world. And what's the message? If, you're, if you don't know better, you feel that these brutal Israelis who have a siege around Gaza who don't allow in and out people in and out who if you need to leave for an urgent emergency manner will create all kinds of delays that will ultimately create a situation where it's too late and you're going to die not only that these brutal Israelis, these horrific, terrible people, they won't let her family accompany her. That's what I call a blood libel. Almost everything here is true, but there is a lie of omission. The part that's not true is Livada. She did not go alone. She went accompanied by a friend or relative. So here's the story, which is put out, the official story, by the Coordinator of Government Activities in the quote-unquote Territories, COGAT. They have a website, which we'll post on our Facebook page later, cogat.mod. Dot gov dot il cogat dot mod ministry of defense mod dot gov dot il I don't know how long it took them to come up with the answer. The problem is by, you know what they say, that by the time the truth comes out, the law has made its uh, way around the world. So while this blood libel is making its way around the world, they now tell us the following. Israel allowed the entrance of this five-year-old girl to be taken care of medically in the hospital that she wanted to go to in East Jerusalem. Her parents signed an affidavit declaring that they do not want to go with her. Oh, you understand? This terrible, horrible Israel didn't let her parents come with her, so she had to go alone. No, 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 no. Her parents signed an affidavit that they refused to go. And the parents requested that instead 
she go escorted by a friend of the family who did in fact go with her and was with her in the hospital and throughout all of the um, of the procedures that she went through and she died in Aza that part he sort of makes clear that she died in Aza there are those who have twisted the story around and said that she was never allowed back into Aza and she died outside of Aza why did her parents sign an affidavit that they don't want to go with their sick daughter who has cancer at the age of five to go with her that's not covered in this Kogat release. There is a uh, a thought that says that her father, whose name is Wasam El Alulu, is a very is an activist of Hamas and didn't want to leave Gaza and enter Israel because he was afraid maybe that he would be arrested. Don't know. The mother does not even appear in the Palestinian Authority's database. She's like non-existent. But she also passed. She was given the opportunity and she also passed. And the family appointed somebody, a friend, to go with her. And the minute the family appointed the person to go with her, immediately the permit to enter and to go to the hospital was given. So, of course, Ahmed Tibi says, after many delays, and again, making as if those delays were Israel's fault, all kinds of delays. And then by the time she was rushed to the hospital, it was late, Bi'ichur, Livada alone. Not her mother or her father were allowed. Lie, lie, liar, liar. They didn't want to go. They signed an affidavit to that effect. Now I'm sure they'll have all kinds of other lies that they can tell you. That they didn't sign the affidavit, that they were forced to sign... I think we know by now who's telling the truth. So here you have a simple tweet that is making its way around the world in different languages, giving you the idea, giving you the feeling that Israel is a horrible occupier that doesn't care about the life of a five-year-old. And by the way, do you ask yourself at any point why didn't they take him to Egypt? You know, Egypt also has a border with Gaza. Every time we hear about a siege, it's always Israel is a siege of Gaza. It's an Israeli siege. But in fact... Egypt could also let her in. Or maybe they didn't want to go to Egypt. But it's interesting how the world never discusses that part, right? 
that there is an op- that there is another border with Aza, the border with Egypt. And if you talk about a siege, which means it's surrounded on all sides and nobody can go and nobody can come, right? Like Yericho, Ein Yotzev, Ein Ba. How many times have you heard that? What about the border with Egypt? How come Egypt isn't taking care of its quote-unquote brethren, their brothers? Good question. Sarit Chadad uh, recorded a new version of Zemer Nugen. This is uh, was done in commemoration of um, Rona. Ramon, the wife of Ilan Ramon, the Israeli astronaut that was killed in the tragic crash as he uh, was coming back from the space, um, the space uh, challenge, was it the Challenger I, or the Discovery? I don't remember. Um, Zemer Nuge was a song that his wife asked to be played for her while he was in space. They played every day one song, and the uh, NASA played one song for the astronauts, and each astronaut got to play, ha- pick one, and Zimmer Nugeh Hatishma Koli is how it starts. Do you hear my voice? Rechokishali, my voice that is far away. So Ramon received the posthumous Israel Prize this year on Yom Atzmod and was asked, and Sarit Khadad was asked to re record this in her honor. Uh, here it is, Zemmer Nugem. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You are tuned to the Israel Show. That's right, on <laughs> the Nachum Siegel Network. Smart boy. 
a rare double music selection. As we mentioned, um, Zemer Nugeh by Sarit Chadad, and this was uh, Anna Efne by Erez Levari. Those of you who have seen the series Srugim are very well familiar with that song. It is the opening theme. Interestingly, there is no closing theme. Every week they end, every every episode, they ended with a different song that they felt was appropriate or, or whatever. Very cute. Um, Ellie Cohen. Tonight, if you're listening live or during the day today on Monday, then tonight, Tet Zion ER is the yard site of Ellie Cohen people um, of my generation and my age are, who have some connection to Israel are usually rather familiar with his name he was uh, bo- a Jew born in Eli Cohen <laughs> obviously a Jew born in Egypt his family originally by the way is from Aleppo Halabim large Jewish community here in Brooklyn and in Deal, New Jersey of Jews from Aleppo. His family was originally from Aleppo, but then they left Aleppo during difficult times and went to Egypt, which is where he was born. He grew up uh, in a very traditional, what we would call Orthodox Shomer Shabbat home. He was very close to the rabbi of Cairo who took him under his wings And uh, even after the State of Israel was created in 1948 and many, many, most, I would say, Jews from Egypt left, Eli Cohen stayed on as an operative of the Zionist movement in which he helped get other people that were still there to leave. Comes to Israel and is already connected somehow, as we have seen, with the... um, CIA of Israel, which later becomes the Mossad, and they uh, they recruit him. Originally, they didn't want him. He wanted, and they didn't want. And later, they wanted, and he didn't want. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he was recruited by the Mossad. And uh, after a um, creating a cover story and spending time in South America building his cover story. He goes to Syria, where he spends three very important years under the name of Kamal Tabath. Kamal Amin Tabath. Escape me for a second. He managed to infiltrate the highest echelons of Syria's political and military class. It is is one of the most amazing spy stories in Israel's history, and Israel has a lot of amazing spy stories, most of which we don't even know about. He was buddies. He was best friends with high-ranking officials in the government and officers in the military. And this went on for three years. 
he was married he would come home from time to time his family thought that he was uh, fulfilling some mission in Europe or involved in some business in Europe he would come home and they had very little time with him he had three daughters his wife who was still alive Nadia who didn't know she had no idea until almost the end just before he was caught it became known to his family where he was very interesting turn of events but won't go into that right now we'll just say that it came about because his brother believe it or not was also in the Mossad and one of the jobs that his brother had was to uh, interpret the coded messages that came from agents throughout the Arab world and as luck or fate would have it he saw several messages which made it clear to him that those messages were from his brother Eli Cohen that was not one of the better days of the Mossad having the brother interpret messages for his brother anyway but that has nothing to do with his capture he was captured by the Syrians stories of how he was captured abound many different versions remember in Syria you're never going to get a uh, you're never going to you're never going to know if you're getting the real story or not you have to remember that his capture was a huge embarrassment to Syria here he was wined and dined by the highest levels of Syrian leadership he was taken to army bases he was taken to the Golan Heights which was so important for Israel there are pictures of him posing in a Syrian fighter jet he was invited to all the fancy parties and receptions and he gave to Israel information that was so valuable that almost to the day almost to the day of his hanging two years later in 1967 were very very significant in Israel's ability to quickly capture the Golan Heights who knows what other information he gave over the years that was so important to Israel he was caught he was quote unquote tried everybody knew what that was going to be and he was hanged in the public square and his body was left there to hang pictures of it there's even video of it when they ultimately come and take down his body put it in a truck and to this day we don't know where his body is and it is understandable that due to the immense embarrassment that he caused Syria and Syrian leaders they won't hear of returning his body ever, ever to Israel several years ago Malcolm Honline met in Damascus with Bashir Assad Bashar al-Assad, 
the president of Syria. And one of the things that he brought up, in addition, for example, to the bodies of the Sultan Yaakov, the three Sultan Yaakov, one of which has returned to Israel's Akbamo, but he brought up the issue of Eli Cohen's body. And he was told, don't even, don't even bring it up. There's nothing to talk about. Eli Cohen, there's nothing to talk about. That's how bad he hit them. Before he was hanged, he was allowed to meet with the rabbi of Damascus. And he wrote a letter to his family. They only let him write in Arabic. He wanted to write it in Hebrew. They didn't allow him to write anything in Hebrew. He was able to sneak in at the end his signature. He wrote Ellie Cohen and he wrote it in a script that looked a little bit like Arabic and I guess it got through. So he got in his last last lick, so to speak, and he wrote to his family, to his wife, stay united. He asked forgiveness from his wife. She should take care of herself. She should give the kids a good education. Interesting how this was the thing that he was thinking about. There'll come a day when my children will be proud of me. He tells his wife to remarry and have children. And, there's that, and that this person should be the father of our children. Don't waste your time crying about what was. Just look forward. And he writes, and his last words that he wrote in his letter that was then delivered to his family by the chief rabbi of Damascus was a request. Please pray for my soul. And so, as tonight is his yard site, we're going to fulfill, and I'm sure many others are going to do it, will fulfill his request. Now I'm standing up and I'm reading El Malei Rachamim Shochein Bamrumim Hamtsei Minucha Nechonal Kanfei HaShechina Bemaalot Kedoshim Utahorim Kizohar Harakia Mazirim Et Nishmat Eliyahu Ben Shaul HaKohen Shenitla Be'et Milui Tafkido Be'eretz Oyev Bavur Shanu Mitpalalim Lahazkarat Nishmato Lachen Baal HaRachamim Yastirehu Besetek Nafav Lolamim Vitzor Bitzor HaChaim Et Nishmato Adonai Hu Nachalato Vianuach Beshalom Al Mishkavo Venomar Amen. Thank <laughs> you. 
נקנתי בעמל וביושר, והיא הדרך והיא האושר. כמי שמצא בה את עצמי, כשלא זכרתי מי אני, תמיד היא באה והאירה לי פנים. אומרים שהיא כל הטובות שבעולם, אם רק היה לנו מושג. היינו רצים ורצים ורצים, ונשבים בקסמה לפניה. מתהלכים כסומה אחריה, ותכלית האמת היא כל צדדיה, כל שבעים פניה. To thank you so much for listening. Thanks for your Facebook likes and comments. Thanks to the Stanford Nachum Siegel Network. And my very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up, immediately after us, Yoni Pollack with After Further Review, covering the latest in the world of sports. And then Novak now with Jake Novak. Jake looks at merit-based immigration and yet another major election where pollsters got it all wrong. And then the Sphere Format Monday Music Marathon. Until next Monday, immediately following Jamie and the AM, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you that nice guys do not finish last. They're just running in a different race. <laughs> כל נתיביה, כל נתיבותיה. יקרה מפז ומאושר, נקנתי בעמל וביושר, והיא הדרך והיא האושר. כן, היא הדרך והיא האושר.